practical problems for everyday problems. Uh, Proverbs, book of Proverbs deals with solutions to everyday problems, and that's what we're going to be discussing as we go through the series. Uh, problems that each of us will face at different times in our life, sometimes all at once, sometimes they're spread out. Um, as we go through this series, you'll notice a contrast uh, of ideas to help us better understand what God's trying to teach as far as the difference between, basically it boils down to right and wrong living. You know, it's amazing. We live in a society where there are no more absolutes. At least you would, you would think that from everything that we're being told, that, you know, there are no absolutes of right or wrong. And uh, that's wrong because there are, and that's an absolute statement. And so, you know, as we go through the Bible, God clearly teaches that there are absolutes. There are things that are right that are wrong. There are things that are good that are evil. There are, there are um, man's ways or man's will versus God's ways or God's will. And that's the constant struggle that we deal with as individuals and collectively as a society of people. And so the book of Proverbs helps us to deal with that contrast. Uh, we said last time we were together, uh, Proverbs 14 says, There is a way that seems right. There's a way that seems right, and we can rationalize it, we can justify it, and we can explain it away, and we can get a number of people to agree with whatever that position is, and it seems right. But, and there's the big contrast again, the end of that is always destruction according to God. The only way that is right is God's way, and we need to catch on to that real quick before a lot of us end up in more trouble than we've already been in. Proverbs helps us to identify the right way to live and also to stay on that track. Um, the problem of wisdom and also what we're going to talk about today is the problem of fools that pretty much lays the foundation for everything that's being taught in the book of Proverbs. The problem of wisdom versus the, the, or the contrasting problem of fools. And there's a lot of ways that we can look foolish. And in fact, I think it would be fun just to go around and ask how you've done it, you know, recently. <laughs> and... Uh, Typically, the foolish person doesn't even realize that they did it. It's the person sitting next to him that has the great stories I'd like to share. So, you know, I don't know if we're going to do that. Or, we may do that if things start going downhill here in a little bit. So, anyway, uh, but here's a story for you just to show you how foolish we can be in different areas. story goes something like this. The Pope flies into New York City. And uh, he's late for a meeting, and he hails a cab, and a cab comes over and uh, picks him up. And the Pope says, well, where he needs to go and when he needs to be there. And the cabbie says, well, I'm real sorry. Uh, I can't get you there by that time. So the Pope says, well, how about if I give you $100? Will that encourage you? And uh, Cabby says, no, there's just no way I can get you where you need to go with traffic at the time you need to go. He goes, well, how about $200? Cabby says, no, you don't understand. I'd have to drive 100 miles an hour to get you there. And so the Pope says, well, listen, I'll give you $300 and at least let me drive. And uh, so the cabbie goes, well, fine, 300 bucks, you drive, I can't get fired if we get in trouble. So there they go, they're flying through downtown Manhattan, and he's going 65, 75, 85, he hits 100 miles an hour. And sure enough, a policeman pulls him over. Pulls him over, a policeman pulls over and says, can I see your driver's license? So the Pope pulls out his driver's license and uh, gives it to the uh, policeman. The policeman gets all excited, he runs back to his squad car, and he calls in the dispatcher and says, somebody get me the captain right away. Dispatcher gets a captain. The captain comes back and says, what is it? The policeman says, I just pulled over someone. He's really big. He says, he's really big? Well, well who is it? I, I, I'm not sure. Well, what do you mean you're sure? I, I don't know who it is, but I'll tell you this. Whoever it is, it's so big that the Pope is driving for him. So, <laughs> yeah, let it soak in for a little bit. I mean, sometimes I feel like we get this five-second radio delay here, you know what I mean? It's like you're driving home and you go, man, that was funny, you know? 
do, do me a favor. I mean, if it was funny, next week come back and say, that was pretty funny. And, and so that we'll all appreciate it together. The problem of fools, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make yourself look like a fool. One is trying to tell funny stories to a crowd that just doesn't appreciate good sense of humor. <laughs> okay, anyway. Hey, how many remember the TV show Stanford and Son? I remember that? Oh, great, okay. You remember when uh, Red Fox played a guy named Fred Sanford? And he was a junkyard kind of a guy, junkyard dealer, whatever they are, uh, a collector of junk. And uh, so one of his favorite lines that he always used when he was talking to his friend Grady, you remember what his line was? Grady, you old fool! Remember that? Tell me you do, good. <laughs> oh, man. No, really, when I, some of these things I count on, like the majority of you knowing, it really helps out. Anyway, uh, but do you remember that line, Grady, you old fool? How many of you know an old fool? Where is he? <laughs> oh, he's not here today. Um, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you something. No, wait a minute. Now, who are you thinking of? That's just not right. Now, what's wrong with you people? How many of you know a young fool? How many know any fool? How many? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, what are you pointing at there? Question for you. What makes a person a fool? What are some of the practices which would identify a fool? If you were to say, okay, this person is a foolish person. This is called audience participation. The way we play this is, somebody is brave enough, and usually it's people that haven't been here very long, <laughs> that will volunteer to answer these questions, knowing they'll be slammed shortly thereafter. The older people that have been here just go, mm, not me. But um, well, now, what are some of the practices which identify a fool? You know somebody who's a foolish person? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Got my Ed McMahon sitting down here. Yeah. Person that always talks and never listens. All right, how many agree? Foolish person. All right, here we go. Jot some of these down because we're going to compare them to the real answers. All right. Well, not because they're mine. Yes, sir. Preach it, brother! Preach it, brother! And all God's people said, Amen! Hallelujah! Preach it, brother! For those of you out there in tape land, the man said, A fool is one who would vote for Bill Clinton. Ha! Oh no, here we go. Wait a minute, now. Let's just stop. Well, we got a winner there. Okay. Uh, what, uh, what, uh, what, uh, what, uh, yes. <laughs> now, the timing of that had nothing to do with the last <laughs> remark, did it? A person who does not think before they speak. All right. Okay. Yes, sir. Quick to anger. A person who is quick to anger. Very good. Anybody else? Okay. Someone who does not listen to counsel. The wisdom of others. What do you mean by that?
You guys get that? <laughs> yeah, see, so you know, kids don't listen to their parents. I, I, parents that don't listen to their counsel as well, the wisdom of others, which, which is a, really a contradiction of terms, by the way, and we'll talk about that. Yes, sir? Someone who does not count the cost. Okay, very good. Someone who says, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this, and I'm going to roll the dice and take a chance. You know, maybe it's going to cost me something. Maybe it isn't going to cost me something. And if it is going to cost me something, maybe what it cost me isn't as bad as whatever it's telling me it's going to cost me. So we'll just give it a shot, and we'll see whether it costs me anything. That's assuming they think even that far ahead. Yes, sir? Okay. Psalm four, well, I think it's Psalm 14 says, A fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yes, Mike. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me see if I follow this. A person who is a fool who will tell you something that he knows isn't true, knowing that you know isn't true, even though you know it isn't true, that they know it isn't true, they still tell you what's not true, even though everybody knows what's being said isn't true. Coach. Yeah, why do I need to know this? Well, there we go. There's a, there's a school teacher talking. Kid in school. Why do I need to know this? After all, my folks don't know this, and they've got a head in life. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, you know, why do I need to know this? And it always boils down, why do I need to know this? Because is this going to get me a good job? Is this going to make me some money? If it doesn't make me some money, give me a good job, then this seems like a senseless thing to do. And your answer, of course, is someday you may be on Jeopardy. So, you know, <laughs> that's why you need to know it. What is for 200? Yes. Okay, a foolish person, somebody who doesn't learn from their mistakes or does not learn from the mistakes of others. I like that. Interesting. Well, let's take a look and see what the right answers are. Got your Bible, turn to the book of Proverbs. We'll pick it up at chapter 18. Proverbs 18, verse 6. And I want you to compare these answers to your answers and see where we're right or where we're wrong. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 6. A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. Proverbs 20, verse 3. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool can quarrel. Number one, a practice which quickly identifies a foolish person is a person who gets into arguments easily. One of the first characteristics or first practices that will help you identify a foolish person is someone who argues at, the, at anything. They get into arguments easily. You notice that? I mean, eight, Proverbs 18.6, a fool's lips bring strife and his mouth calls for blows. A sign of a foolish person is how quickly they get into arguments. You see, the fool doesn't want to stop an argument because it's honor for a man to stop an argument, but the foolish person will quarrel. You know, God says that a foolish person will, will want to argue with others 
while an honorable or wise man will want to be a peacemaker. So I guess you have to ask yourself this question. Are you a foolish person? Are you argumentative or are you a peacemaker? And it's so funny when I read this because looking back on my life, I just, you know, the things that I, I read in the Bible today and I look back and I just laugh at, at how silly some of the things were that uh, I used to do. And even now, sometimes that are still tempted to do. Listen to that. A fool's lips bring strife and his mouth calls for blows. When we, were, when we were kids growing up, basically all that it took to get something going was this. Somebody looking at you and you look back at them and you say, what are you looking at? That's it. And then they always come back with some good answer, like, if we could figure it out, we'd let you know. <laughs> and it's like, all right, that's it. That's all that it took. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? No, what are you looking at? No, what are you looking at? Doom, doom, doom. And then all of a sudden, no, boom, 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 bam, bam. There we go. And it all started. That's all it took. That's all it took. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I mean, that is all that it took. Now, see, we get more sophisticated because as you get older, then we don't necessarily confront people quite that way, particularly if you're not half drunk. So, you know, you kind of like you get a little sharper. Basically, the way it works on the freeway is <laughs> kind of look at there and you, and you know the person's thinking, what are you looking at? <laughs> and you're thinking, no, what are you looking at? Where do you think you went off? The next off ramp? <laughs> In a way, it's just crazy. I mean, think about it for a second. Don't ever put your turn signal on on the freeway. We just figured it out. We're all a group of guys we were talking about this week. Never put your, your turn signal on the freeway. Why? Because it's like a sign for the person who's alongside of you not to let you in. Isn't that the truth? I mean, you put that signal on, it's like every butthead in the world behind you is going like this. Hurry up, the guy wants over everybody now. Shift over here. Let's go 90 miles an hour and let's cut this guy off. And it's like the way it is, right? I mean, so don't use, hey, don't use your turn signals on the freeway. I don't know what proverb that is, but just a little practical tip. I mean, it's unbelievable. It happens. I mean, and even, and what's so sad about it is, even you catch yourself seeing a turn signal come on in front of you, and the first thing you do is, I gotta, I gotta catch up. I gotta cut this guy off, because it's like the unwritten law of the jungle freeway system that we have. And, and, and that's all it takes to get an argument. How do you get in arguments over stupid things like that? I mean, you know, major things, you know. Oh, okay, so, you know, a couple of ladies shake their head. Not me, but I'll tell you what. He leaves that toilet seat up one more time. <laughs> then we got something to argue about. You know, it's like, let's just ask some very practical question. What sets you off? That's really the boils down to. What sets you off? You know, socks on the floor, bike in the driveway. I don't know. You know, toilet seat up, somebody tries to cut you off on the freeway. I, what sets you off? Because what God is saying is a foolish person is one who is prone to argue over anything, at any time, anywhere, bring it on. And God says that it's honor for a man to stop a quarrel. It's honor for a man or a woman to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called the children of God. Because any foolish person can quarrel. Anybody can. It doesn't take any gift of God to be able to start an argument. But I'll tell you what, it takes a gift of God to be able to stop an argument. See, are you a foolish person or are you a wise person? That's the contrast. Okay, second thing. Look at Proverbs chapter 10 for a second. In verse 23. Proverbs 10, 23. Another sign of a foolish person. 
So doing wickedness or doing what's wrong is like sport to a fool. And so is wisdom to a man of understanding. Doing the wrong thing is like a sport. It's like a game. It's fun and games to a foolish person to do what's wrong before God. Proverbs 14, 9 says this, that fools mock at sin. Fools mock at sin. So the second practice of a foolish person is that they treat sin lightly. It's a game. How many people have you talked to that are doing what's wrong before God and they act like they're playing some kind of a game? It's funny. Fools mock at God. Fools mock at the things of God. They don't want to stop what they're doing when confronted by the truth because we've already seen that a fool says in his heart, there is no God. So who do I have to answer to? I answer to myself. And it's a game. It's fun. It's sport. See how I can get away with it. A foolish person says basically in their heart or in their mind, they're saying, you know what? I'm doing this. People say that are wrong. But guess what? I'm getting away with it. That's right. I'm getting away with it. And I'm going to keep on getting away with it because I don't believe there is a God. I don't believe that he is just. I don't believe that such a thing is good or bad. It's all relative. Whatever I want to do is right. And if I want to do it today, that's just the way it is. I don't care what you say. I don't care what anybody says. A fool mocks at sin. A fool does not recognize his accountability or her accountability before God for the things that they do. And so when God brings people into our life to confront us, we basically say this. I want to do what I want to do. And no one can stop me. You know what? What a foolish thing to say. Because the Bible says there is a God. The Bible says he is just. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, 7 this. Don't kid yourself, buddy. God is not mocked. You will not shake your fist in the hand of God and say, I'm going to do this and you're not going to stop me. Because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Bottom line translation, New American Standard says, hey, you shall reap what you sow. Uh, New Living says, it's going to come back and bite you in the butt. Something like that. It says it's something like that. But the bottom line is, you're going to pay the price. You're going to pay the price for what you do. Don't be a foolish person. Don't shake your fist in the, in the face of God. You know, and it's scary to think, you know... Uh, you know, I, I, the, the longer I live, the easier it is to say, and I think with greater conviction, it's easier to say there is nothing good that comes out of sin. Nothing. Now, we've got a God who is bigger than evil. We've got a God who can make good come out of sin. I don't deny any of that. But let me just tell you this. Woe to the one who commits evil on the sight of God that God will then turn into something good because you will pay the price for what you did. See, though God can make good come out of evil, there is still a price to be paid for the man or the woman that chooses to do what's wrong. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because I'm telling you right now, we better just take this flippant attitude about we can do what we want to do and that we're not going to have to pay for this and just store it away for all of eternity because you will pay a price. There will be consequences because God is just. You will not sin before God and not pay a price. And I think that the quicker we understand this, and the quicker we understand this, there's nothing good that comes out of sin, and sin is a destructive and a deadly pursuit. Plain and simple. Not a fool says, nah, it's not. I haven't got age yet. I haven't got this yet. I haven't got that yet. I haven't got caught yet. You know, they haven't caught up with me yet. I just keep on doing it. Don't tell me it's not fun. Don't tell me it's not pleasurable. Don't tell me I'm going to pay a price. I've been doing it for years, man. 
It hasn't caught up with me. It will. It will. And some of us forget that because we want to see God do something now. But let me tell you this. Everything is perfect in God's time. And he just keeps letting you go, letting you go, letting you go, because he's God, he's loving, he's kind, he's patient, he's long-suffering, he's forbearing, and he tries in every way that he can. And no one can ever stand before God and say, you weren't patient with me, buddy, because he is. But someday, he just goes, that's it, time's up. Take you to woodshed. Here we go. And he will. And that's the thing I've seen God do, because some of us are really boneheads, you know, and uh, real stubborn. And it's kind of like being in a, you know, a prisoner of war, you know. You can torture me all you want, but I'll never break. Oh, fine. Then we'll just bring in your children. We'll bring in your wife. We'll bring in your family. We'll bring in somebody close to you. Because I see over and over again where families and others are affected by the sin of an individual who says, hey, you know what? You talk about selfish now. Think about this. It's one thing to say, I'm going to sin before God and I'll take my chances with God. That's another thing for me to stop and think, you know what? Well, I can sin before God, but I don't know if I want God to discipline my kids or discipline my family or my friends or people close to me just to get my attention. Because God, whom he loves, he will scourge as a son and he will discipline. And the Bible is filled. I had a gal come to me one day and say, you know what? Is what I, if, if I keep doing what I'm doing, could it affect my husband? Could it affect my children? Absolutely. Pick it up and read it. Jonah was on a boat, man, and the boat was ready to sink, and every guy in the ship was going down with it because God was trying to get Jonah's attention. Look at the story of uh, Achan in Joshua chapter 7, where Achan stole some spoils from, a, from a, uh, a battle and took it in and hid it under his tent. And God says, go get Achan, go get his kids, and go get his wife, and bring them all out, and let's kill all of them in front of everyone so everyone will fear God and know that he's just. I'm telling you what, man, there's a price to pay. And I think we're kidding ourselves if you think it's just you and God and no one else. Because we all suffer for your sin. So stop being so selfish. I got enough trouble of my own. Thank you very much. Number three. Ah, oh, there we go. Loosen up. Number three. Proverbs chapter seven. Here we go. This will get some of you going. I get the kindred whiners going. Here we go. Proverbs seven. Get ready. Sing me a harmony. Seven. Proverbs seven, verse 21 through 23. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, this young man who was warned about this particular type of woman, the seductress, the seductive woman, this young man, it says, suddenly, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool. And so an arrow pierces through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that what he's about to do will cost him his life. A foolish person responds to seduction easily. Not only easily, but quickly. And if you take this and you look at the word pictures that God gives us to help us understand something, now I've been accused at times of talking too much about sex. The kindred whiners, I think, went on record of saying, Sex, sex, sex. That's all he talks about. Well, let me just tell you why that is. Maybe because the Bible so clearly teaches that sexual immorality is a deadly pursuit. Maybe because the Bible teaches in no bars held type of wording that it is tragic 
it is foolish, it is destructive, it is fatal. And let's go through and take a look. Verse 21 says, With her many persuasions and in many different ways, she entices him with her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her. As an ox goes to slaughter. Alright? Is that vivid enough for anybody there? As an ox goes to slaughter. What a great picture of most men, isn't it? There's a dumb ox. Here we go. You know, I just picture that. You know, because that's kind of the way it is. She says a couple nice things. Oh, you baby, I want you bad, baby. You're the best, baby. Here he goes. There he goes. Up there. And then all of a sudden, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until an arrow pierces through his liver. Now, let me just explain something to you. An arrow through a liver is fatal. You got it? It is fatal. As a bird hastens to the snare, it is fatal. So he does not know that it will cost him his life. It is fatal. It is tragic. It is destructive. The Bible clearly teaches that sin is a snare. It's an entanglement. It's destructive. It's an arrow to your liver. You are an ox going to slaughter. And so I don't think that I could ever talk enough about something that so tragically is being conveyed in an opposite tone in our society. We are being convinced that it is okay to have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want, whatever you way, way you want, as long as it's safe. Well, let me tell you, let me define safe. Safe is very simply this, that one man and one woman get married, they have sex, all the sex they want within their marriage, none outside of marriage, no man and man, no woman and woman, just a man and a wife has one wife, one husband, they get married, they have sex, that's safe. Anything else outside of that is wrong. Now, gee, isn't that a little narrow-minded? Well, yes, it is, but God's ways are narrow and broad is the way of destruction. Don't you understand that yet? This is a book of contrast. There's a right way, there's a wrong way. A foolish person is, responds quickly to seduction. A foolish person rationalizes and justifies all the reasons why it's okay for them to be doing the sexual activity that they're doing. I see guys all the time who brag about it. They think it's funny. They think it's great. They can't wait to share with one another what their latest sexual escapades were. And it's just not men anymore. It's women as well. I see women who will brag about sleeping with a guy they don't know anything about, and the only reason they want to go to bed with him is because he's a professional athlete. I see it all the time. And frankly, I get sick of it. Because what I see from Scripture is it's a deadly pursuit. And many young people, men and women, are gone down a road that is going to destroy them for years to come. And God help us to say what's true. You understand? God help us as a nation to stop tolerating sexual immorality. God help us to understand that it's not being judgmental to say what God says is right or wrong. We need to understand this because there hasn't been one society in the history of the world that has survived rampant and accepted sexual immorality and promiscuity. Not one. Check out your history books. Not one society. And every society before us has tried to have minority groups of people, i.e. homosexual groups, that have tried to get majority of people to believe and accept them as an alternative lifestyle. And it's wrong before God. 
Quite simply, it's wrong. It's no more wrong than adultery. It's no more wrong than rape. It's no more wrong than incest. And you know what? It's no more wrong than single people having sex outside of marriage. That's how bad it is in the sight of God. So let's keep all of those things in the same category. And we're not gay bashing here. We're bashing sexual immorality because that's what the Word of God has to say. You got it? Now, we need to leave here very clearly understanding that that is a character trait or a practice of a foolish person according to God. You want to be wise? Then if you're not married, get married. And if you are married, then don't have sex outside of your marital partner. Plain and simple. You got it? And if you're too young and you don't want to get married, then keep it in your shorts. All right? That's as simple as it gets. That's all there is. I mean, say it like it is. Okay, number four. Right versus wrong. Hey, that's what this is all about. Right versus wrong. Now, anybody got a question about what's right and what's wrong? I hope not. I'm trying to make this as clear as possible. <laughs> See, the fool finds nothing wrong with sexual act- activity outside of marriage. Now, the question is, are you going to be fool or are you going to be wise? The wise person believes what God has to say and acts accordingly. Number four. Proverbs 21.20. 20. Proverbs 21.20. 20. We're going to go into great lengths on this particular subject in a, le- in a uh, session later on, but I think we need to mention it now, just kind of give us a character trait or a practice of a fool. Proverbs 21.20 says, There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. Okay? Number four. A person squanders money. A foolish person squanders money. A foolish person's idea of savings is, how long can I get it from the bank to the store? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's saving it as long as they're going to save it. How long can I get it from when I get it cashed to when I can get to the mall? I mean, that's their savings program. And uh, God says, man, you are a foolish person. Because don't you see the value and the wisdom in saving for a rainy day? That's what God's saying. We need to understand there, there is wisdom, there is value in saving for tomorrow. Now, we're going to talk for in a minute about, you know, the opposite of that. But see, many of us are like the prodigal son. We want it now because we want to live foolishly and squander it before God. We want to please ourselves today so we see no value in saving for tomorrow. Hey, man, I work for a big company. I'm always going to have a job. I have seniority. I'm in the union. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. <laughs> Oh, man, alive, you know. Check it out. Look around you. I mean, what company's stable? What position do you have after 20 years? I talked to a guy, we're doing a job, and he, he worked for uh, Security Pacific Bank for 26 years. He's a senior regional vice president. And he's opening a yogurt shop because when Bank of America bought him out, they said, hey, we got too many of these senior regional vice presidents. So, you know, here's a nice little pension package and a severance pay, but we don't need you anymore. Take a hint, folks. You start trusting in anything but the Lord, you're in for a big fall. Don't put your trust in your job. Don't put your trust in what you do for a living. Don't put your trust in how long you've been with the company. Don't even put your trust in the company. And don't put your trust in people that are running it. Hey, we need to have right people in leadership, and God help us to continue to vote for the right people and to pray for the right people and to pray for those who are in leadership because, hey, when the, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, and with the wicked are in office, we know how to moan and groan. And so the bottom line is, is that we need to understand something. Don't ever trust your, put your trust in stuff. Don't squander money because tomorrow you may need it. 
And so we need to develop a savings program or a mentality that says this isn't always going to be the way it is today. And I think many of us are making that discovery during the last couple of years, haven't we? And so we see the value of what the wisdom of God has to say. Isn't that great? I like that. You know, don't go out and blow it. Number five, uh, you can read Luke chapter 12 sometime, but it's a parable about the guy who went out and he had the barns and he, he had a great harvest and he built new barns, knocked his old ones down, and he kept storing stuff up. And uh, basically an angel sent, sent to this man and said, hey, you fool, today your soul is required of you. And so the opposite or the other extreme of a person who doesn't save is one who never has enough savings. Never has enough savings. I had a friend that, you know, he said, man, if I can just get 5,000 bucks in the bank, man, that'd be great. And then it was $10,000, then it was 15, then it was 20, then it was 30, then it was 40, then it was 50, then it was 60. And it was like, you know, I just wanted, you know, three months worth of living expenses and six months, then a year, then five years, just in case. And it goes on and on and on. And so God's saying this, we need to be rich toward the things of God and not rich toward ourselves. There is a problem of trust again in that we're putting our trust in the amount of money that we have in a savings account. So there's a healthy tension that goes on here between doing what God requires us to do with the resources that he gives us to manage versus being, you know, spend happy and just wanting to please yourself versus having some money in the bank and some, you know, living expenses set aside. And, and there's, it's always a healthy tension. And so what do you do? You know, you go to the mall. No. <laughs> what do you do? Well, then hopefully you do what we talked about last time, and that's we pray for wisdom. How much should we save? How much should we give? Should we do this with what God has blessed us with? Here's a need over here. Should we meet that need? Here's the gospel that needs to be preached. How much do we give to that? How much do we give? How much do we save? Man, I don't know. I need wisdom. Well, you, act, you lack it, ask of God. who gives generously. And some of us need to seek the wisdom of God and how to deal with all this because it's tough stuff. But it's practical, and it's where all of us live. See, it's one extreme or the other. How much do you need in savings? Hey, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. Probably a lot less if you trusted in God. But I'll tell you this, that doesn't mean you take that savings and you go out and spend it on yourself either. You better take a good hard look at where we're spending our money. Like what one man said, he said, we all need to be increasing our standard of giving and not our standard of living. Number six. Foolish person. Look at Proverbs 12, 18. I mean, 12, 16. This was brought up and mentioned. Proverbs 12, 16. A fool's anger or vexation is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts foolishness. The quick-tempered person, you never know what's going to set them off. They get the pilot light on all the time. It's always going on underneath the surface, and you just don't know what's going to set them off. Have you ever known a person like that? You didn't know when you said hello to them if they were going to say hello and how you doing, or are they going to bite your head off. You didn't know what to expect when he pulled up the driveway. You didn't know what was going to happen. There are people who live in fear constantly because of foolish people that have quick tempers. It's a frightening thing. But God says this, that a foolish person is quick to anger, but a prudent man conceals his anger or conceals his thoughts or conceals his feelings. Are you an angry person? What sets you off? Basically, that's really what it comes down to again. What sets you off? You know? 
Where, where does the line, where's the line in, in your own mind, in your own life? A bike left in the driveway? Underwear on the floor? Somebody lie to you? Somebody steal from you? I don't know. What sets you off? Only you know that, and God knows your heart. He really knows what sets you off. But all I'm here to tell you is, according to the Bible, that a person who harbors anger and resentment is always ready to blow a fuse as a fool before God. Okay? We have to learn not to harbor resentment. A wise person is patient. A wise person exemplifies the, the character of God, is patient, is long-suffering, doesn't look for any little thing to set them off so they have an excuse to blow their temper. A foolish person is just, uh, just a little teeny fuse light away from exploding. Is that you? I don't know. I mean, you need to ask yourself some tough questions. I do. Let's look at uh, Proverbs um, 14.8 for the next one. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. The folly of fools is deceit. One of the seventh, the seventh practice or character trait of a person who is a fool in the sight of God is a person who is deceitful and a person who is a liar. And uh, we'll talk in depth about you know, the whole problem in an upcoming session, but for now, I think to help us to see the portrait of a foolish person we look at it and say, there's a foolish person who's one who argues about anything. A foolish person is one who mocks before God and doesn't think that they're going to, you know, it doesn't take into consideration the strong words that God has to say about sin. A foolish person responds to seduction, sexual immorality, pleases themselves in a physical way any time and any chance they get. Squanders money, develops wrong values, harbors anger. But also a foolish person is one who practices deceit and lying. And I think some of us are mistaken to believe that if we don't tell a lie overtly, then it's not a lie. It's okay to deceive people. It's okay to leave information out of a story. It's okay to manipulate it to such that the other person or the other people who hear you telling a story, we'll let them fill in their own facts, you know what I mean? We don't want it to expose everything because then they'll see us for what we really are. It's kind of like the joke Mike was saying. Hey, the person who will lie to your face, you know that they're lying. They know that they're lying. They know that you know that they're lying and they still lie anyway. I can't think of a greater waste of time than to go through that ordeal. Why do we do that? You know, it's like, you know, the kind of stuff that happens in business all the time. Oh, yeah, I, I got, I'll have that proposal done for you. I'm working on it right now. Right. Just like the person on the other end put the check in the mail yesterday. Right. Right. Okay, really? You didn't get that yet? No? Well, gee, did you mail it? Well, yeah, well, I think so. Maybe my secretary did. Oh, yeah, well, maybe mine typed your proposal, too. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, it goes on and on and on. It's kind of stuff that happens on a regular basis. And we've got to be very careful. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm going. Oh, are you going? Oh, I, yeah, well, I, uh, now, was that a yes or a no? Oh, well, see, we don't want people to think anything less of us. So we just deceive people. That's all that we do. See, and we've got to be careful. Listen to Psalm 120, verse 2. David says, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. In his prayer of confession in Psalm 51, he says, Behold, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts. You know, it's kind of interesting. I learned, you know, I learned like everybody else does. And uh, we're, we had a, a job that we are working on. And it's like one of those, you know, everything can go wrong kind of jobs, and it does. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. 
you know, first the, the whole design was wrong, so we had to redesign it, and then we redesigned it, and then we ordered the stuff, and the stuff was coming from Texas, and I should know better than order anything from Texas. But uh, anyway, stuff was coming from Texas, and they shipped it, and it was wrong, and then it was damaged, and then we had to ship, they asked them to ship out the other stuff, and supposedly they shipped it, and they didn't ship it. And then meanwhile, we've got a customer on the other end saying, hey, our tenants are moving in, we've leased the space out, it has to be done by a certain time. And, uh, and it was like, all this stuff was going on, right? And this was Monday morning, first thing in the morning. So good morning, nice to talk to you again. And uh, so I said, well, you know, are you going to be out here today? No, we're not going to be out here today because the part was wrong, the part was damaged, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, I lied. Because my partner, the guy calls back, and my partner goes, uh, no, the guy who's supposed to be out there today has a flu, which he did, which was true. And what I said was a lie. And, you know, God just kind of, like, helps you to identify certain principles that he wants you to learn. And, and, I'm, and I'm, like, looking at him, like, what was I going to say? Why'd you tell the truth? <laughs> you know, what do you say? It's like, well, see, but you know what? All I was trying to do is deceive the guy into believing something because I didn't want to tell him the truth. And I was just flat out wrong before God. And he taught me an important lesson. That is, hey, you know what? You just tell the truth. Don't, don't sell it, don't whitewash it, don't package it. You just tell it the way it is, and that honors God. Now, it doesn't matter what the other person is going to say, what the other person is going to think, because my accountability was to God. See, I screwed up. I blew it. I, I, I was wrong before God. There's no other way to get around that. I was wrong. And so the challenge that I have for you is the same challenge that I have for me, and that is, am I willing to be a man of truth? Am I willing to tell it like it is? No matter what other people think of me, or no matter what other people say, I got to stop worrying about image, because you know what God says. Look at what He said in Psalm fifty-one six. He said, "Behold, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts; in my hidden parts, you shall make me to know wisdom." See, you know what He's saying to me, Chuck. You knew when you said what you said that that wasn't true. That's my inward parts. See, I knew what the other person didn't know. And what probably would never find out if it wasn't disclosed. But I wouldn't have learned what I learned. And I'm glad that it was. See, because here's what's going on here. God knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows when you say what you say, why you're saying what you say. He knows that you are a liar in the soul of your being, no matter whether any of us ever figure out that you snowed us or not. He knows, because all things are laid open and bare to him to whom we have to do. God is our judge. We are accountable to him. Do you understand how important that is to realize that? See, God knows. And, and I guess the, the self-exam here, and we'll just kind of wrap it all up on this, because, I mean, I can't handle much more of this today. It's like, you know, you know the, the self-exam is this. Ask yourself, am I a foolish person? Am I a foolish person before God? Am I argumentative? Is that me? Am I an argumentative person? Or am I really a peacemaker? See, you know in your heart. And usually what happens is God confronts us with other people who say, you know, man, you got a short fuse, buddy. It's like I can't ask you a question without you biting off my head. It's like I don't even want to have a conversation with you. I don't even want to be around you. I don't want to spend any time with you because I'm afraid of what you're going to say. And when you're confronted by that, do you readily accept 
what God says about who you are. Do you treat sin lightly? Are you doing something now in your life that God knows and maybe none of us know? Are you doing something in your life and saying, I haven't got caught yet, I'm going to keep it up, and I want to see if what God says is true? Do you take sin lightly? Do you mock at God? Let me tell you something. That's a wrong thing to do. Payday someday. And it'd be a lot quicker and a lot more painful than you can ever imagine. God tells us to judge ourselves lest we be judged. Man, I like that. I like that a lot. I want to be able to catch myself today and say, Lord, that's it. I give up. Man, I give it up. I want to stop before I get into all kinds of trouble. How, how's your uh, sexual life? What's going on there? Are you pleasing God? Do you honor God? Do you do what he says is right? And do you stop doing what he says is wrong? Man, this is tough stuff. But it's true. And we're here to teach the truth. How about money? You spend, spend, spend on yourself. You can't get enough. Because things will never satisfy you. Read 1 Timothy 6, man. Things will never satisfy you. Always new and improved, always bigger and better, always brighter and shinier, because it just doesn't satisfy the inner needs of our heart. You realize the value of saving for tomorrow. Number five, have you developed wrong values? Value system basically is this, me first, God and everybody else second. Me first, maybe a couple other people second, and then God somewhere along the line. God's value system is very simple. You put God first before anything and everything. Number six, do you harbor anger and resentment? Just thinking about it right now, is there someone that really gets under your skin and just the thought of their name or the mention of what they do or who they are just grates on you? God says you better be kind and tenderhearted and forgive one another just as God and Christ has forgiven you. You just better lay it, lay it aside because otherwise you're just, uh, you're just ready to explode. You're ready to explode. And there's no fun. There's no joy in a life like that of harboring resentment and anger toward other people. Hey, we've all been hurt, and we'll all be hurt again. That's the way we are. We're all stupid, foolish people that hurt one another whether we try to or don't try to. And the, long, and the quicker we realize that we just need to be people that are kind and forgiving, knowing that we're all sinners saved by the grace of God, and that we're all messed up, and we all got problems. Whether somebody tries to hurt you or not, we need to learn how to forgive. Read Matthew 18. And number seven. There's no other way around it but to say it. Are you a liar? Are you a liar and a deceiver? See, when you're confronted with this truth, do you justify and rationalize and explain away why you are the way you are? Or when you're confronted with the truth of the Word of God, you just say this, God, I'm wrong. You're right. Please forgive me and give me the strength to be a man or a woman of God, to tell the truth at all costs, to forgive, to develop a value system that puts you first, to be able to start to save and not spend on ourselves all the time. To be morally pure before you. To recognize the consequence of sin. And to be a peacemaker. And not argumentative. Man, you can't get any more practical than this. This is practical stuff. I like this. It's good stuff. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity to be together. Just thank you for the clarity of your word. Man, there's no one here that can't appreciate that there is a right way to live and there is a wrong way to live. God, help us to examine ourselves as we're confronted with the truth of your word. 
to recognize that your standard never changes, though our feelings and emotions and justification and rationalization is always there and is always trying to accommodate sin in our life. You tell us to be holy, for you are holy. You tell us to show self-control, and the wonderful thing is, as we come to know Jesus Christ, you tell us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, and he guides us into all truth. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. God, help us to be men and women that demonstrate self-control in these areas of our life. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.